Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Success is not a one-time event. You can have a success or you can have a win, but is your success sustainable at work and at home? And to me, they're very intertwined on some of the basic soft skills, some of the core values. I know you talk about some of the things that we just don't learn until we are in the position where we're like, oh, wait, I do suck at listening. Or I am, you know, hustling and grinding it out at work and, and the very people I'm working for are suffering. Or, you know, now my home life has taken a hit and my business is suffering because, I'm either going to lose my business or, you know, I'm, I'm bringing all that, you know, to work with me. So this whole idea of holistic and sustainable success to me is very important. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, and business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So, Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, Susie? You get what you need. Woohoo! Boy, that takes me back. (laughs) Boy, that takes I mean, I've earned my silvers, but that takes me back. I love me some rolling stones. Guys, welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have an amazing guest. My friend Susie Miller is here to join us. Thank you for coming to the show, Susie. So excited to be here, Darius. Love your work. Love your book. Can't wait to talk about all the things that make us great. Oh, and there's so much to cover. Guys, for those of you guys that are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Those who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And my friend Susie is neither short of passion nor, nor greatness. And <laughs> with that said, I'd love to give origin stories. So I met Susie um, for those of you guys that have been following the show, you'll know that um, I had a bit of a clubhouse addiction for the first <laughs> for, for the first two months of the year. I've since I've since fallen off the wagon though, or fallen off the the addiction wagon at least. I'm not as I'm not, I haven't been on it quite as much lately. But um, but we we were in a bunch of different rooms. And I'm like, man, I really like this person. She's got some really good ideas, and just man, I really want to get to know her more. And so we started hanging out in more rooms, and she came to my events, and I would go hang out in her rooms, and yeah. after a while. 
we, we became virtual friends. So we've never met in person, but we have hung out virtually a lot. <laughs> yeah. So Not yet. Not yet in person, but definitely a lot in, in, in the virtual world. And thank God for technology. I know. I know that it, it like, like I will say those guys at, um, at clubhouse, they, they kind of struck lightning when they put that thing out with the COVID and people yearning for connection. And, and to your point, even like this, like just being able to do a live stream like this, this is all, this stuff didn't even exist like 10 years ago. Right. So no. here we are. Um, but with that said, I'd love to give some background on your bio. Can I do your bio really quick here? You can, you can. Uh, all right, I'm going to pull it up. Guys, Susie Miller is an author, speaker, and catalyst for growth. She equips high performers to have less conflict, better communication, greater clarity, confidence. She's a fixer. She is a fixer of business and leadership strategist who identifies problems and creates solutions when it comes to interpersonal dynamics at work and home. She's the founder of, leader of LeaderSync. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. And she's an experienced communicator and consultant. Susie has worked with companies, organizations, and individuals to maximize their relationship Capital at work, home and play, and so much more. So I'm so pumped to have you here. Seriously, though, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today with you. I, um, I love the fact that you have uh, deeper conversations and that you are uh, the pink unicorn. I wear pink in honor of the pink unicorn today. Uh, <laughs> you're amazing. I love it's it. Gotta be a brand for you. You know. That's that. Uh, I I that seriously just made my day. <laughs> so um, where are you in Virginia? We are uh, normally in Virginia, so uh, raised our kids there in the north of Virginia area outside D.C., uh, but I'm coming you to, to you today from Denver because pre-COVID, here's a little fun fact, my husband and I actually sold all our stuff, renovated a trailer to look like a tiny house, and hit the road to travel the country to see the national parks and kayak and hike and do all the beautiful things, and so we chose to live together 24-7 before everybody had to live together 24-7. Oh my gosh, and so, wait, so you guys... Sold all your stuff and then you built a tiny house. Is that like so? I know what a tiny house so, is, but how do you travel in a tiny house? So, we actually took an RV because my husband's very practical and that's aerodynamic. And we renovated the inside to be like a tiny house. So, we have real furniture. We took out all the RV stuff, painted it, have it look. Um, it just looks like a house. I have a real sofa. I'm sitting in my wing back chair. So, have a little bookshelf, have real stuff in our house. And his dream was to see the country and we could both work virtually. So, that's what we did. Wait, so, so, COVID so had us parked. For a little bit. Wait, so are you in the tiny house as we speak? I am. Wait, how, wait, wait. So, so what type of a vehicle did you guys convert to a tiny house? So we got a big fifth wheel, which is, so it's about now, the first one we have was a trailer, 25, 28 feet. This is 38 feet. Mm -hmm. And we drive it with a big ass truck. Oh, can I say that? With a really oh, big yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I say, I say fuck a lot. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> with a really big truck and we go and we call it our lake house beach house visit the family because our kids are all spread out house um because they're all grown and visit the national parks and you know live in the dream that's so cool so so um where you're in colorado now denver is that you said we're in colorado now we're headed up to minnesota and then back to the east coast to see our kids and our grandson covid really put a damper on our travel because i'm high risk i'm a cancer survivor with some lung issues and so we've been stationary for quite a bit so wow. really looking forward to seeing our family again in yes. real life. This so is just are, on Zoom. So wait, if you're vaccinated, do you feel comfortable? Are you vaxxed? I'm vaxxed. Am I allowed to ask that? Like, you, like, are, you know, it's almost an ethnic question now. As a minority woman, am I allowed? Yes. Um, yeah. Am I allowed I'm to vaxxed. ask you if you're vaccinated? I can't yeah. believe this. Without, without starting a civil war. I, um, <laughs> yes. 
based on my doctor's recommendation and the lung issues I've had, I am vaccinated. So I, I'm still immunosuppressed, so I have to be careful, but I am vaccinated. And I had the luxury of working with a doctor at National Jewish Health, who is the premier, one of the premier researchers on lungs. And I really trust, he has no political like leaning, he cares about lungs, health, lungs and health. And so I had access to really good information and really good health care. Yeah, that's, that's I'm I, I'm gosh the 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 asshole in me is like I'm trying to starting to make a political statements in my head right now for all the anti. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna stop myself before I go. Well, I'm going to be very careful in these arenas. So I know I got. Well, there's so much else that we are. You know, I deal a lot with conflict, and so I've actually had a lot. I've, I've helped uh, navigate a lot of tough conversations around emotionally charged subjects, and there have been more in the last couple of years. Yeah, just a couple, like, like you know, few, few more than normal. Just a couple, yes. <laughs> so, so you're, um, okay. Well, let me let's back up for a second. So, you're doing a ton of consulting and coaching, and you're, you know, I, like especially when we've been in Clubhouse, I, you know, I feel like we are definitely along the same lines of having like a conscious leadership type of approach Correct. to business. Um, uh, most people, I think, end up there. They don't start there, right? Because I think, th- I think there's like this, like this, like. I, I, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a projection that you end up, you go through like a projectile into this world of conscious leadership, right? Yes, and it's, that's a great like word. You see, you see, there's a lot of non-conscious leadership that gets you to the conscious leadership. And you're almost forced there. I love that projectile. It's almost like you're shot out of a cannon to get into what's, what I talk about, good leadership versus great leadership. And you're right. People get there, not always by choice. They get there because they're often shot into a situation where they've got to become a different version of themselves. Not yeah. unlike your story, where you realized you had to shift your story in your book, core values, the core value equation, where you realized you had to shift some core things to take your company to the next level. So yeah, a lot of people get there because they're forced there. And when they are forced there, they're glad, but in that initial transition, it is tough. I, you know, I really want to dive into the subject with you because so, um, so, but, but I want to go there next. I want to go earlier to like, how did you end up like, give us your, your, your story, like your professional or even personal story. Like how did you end up where you, where you've gotten to now? What a great question, Darius. Okay. So short version is people, I'm a former therapist turned executive coach and consultant and people who get into the helping profession usually have a story that gets them into the helping profession. And so part of my story is a lot of trauma, tragedy, uh, chronic illness, cancer, things that really are, are, statistically, we joke that people are friends with us because we lower their odds. If they're worried about something happened to them, we say, oh, be friends with us. It's probably already happened to us or to me. We will um, we'll lower your odds. Um, so much so that I was offered to write a, a preface to a book called Hope in the Hard Places. And so basically I went, you know, I somebody helped me grow and change. And I really wanted to be in that place where I could help people find the better version of themselves. Because when you're locked up and you don't understand how your story and your wiring affects you, you're living at a deficit. You're lit like a pinball and you're just reacting. And I wanted to help people learn to respond to their life based on what they understood about their wire and their story. So I did what, you know, my generation did. I went to school, got a couple of master's degrees, set up a private practice, raised our kids. Um, I have three kids. My husband and I will be married 38 years in June. 
We have three kids in their 30s, which is really weird to say, but wanted to build a better life. And basically, there was one point in our life where we both had thriving businesses, the ideal kids. Um, you know, we, we looked perfect from the outside, beautiful home in the D.C. area. You know, we had the money, the cars, the kids, the life. And I walked in and I said to my husband, um, we've got to figure out more about us because we've got all the trappings of success and our relationship needs to take go to the next level. And that really began some work in the coaching world where I had met more and more and more people who had created financial success or business success, but not personal success. And so my work started to shift a bit into doing more coaching and training of high level entrepreneurs. When you live in the DC area, you work with a lot of um, there's big money and there's big government and there's you know people whose names I don't drop a lot at all. Um, and so I started doing you know counseling and couples work with them. But slowly but surely, we realized that some of the the tips and tools work, would work with their C-suite, would work with their entrepreneurial ventures, would work in their business world. And you can't cross over as a therapist. That's just the rule that used to be in the business. So I left that, became a coach and consultant so that I could serve my clients' needs better. And then began to work even with my own, with John and I, we talked about how we saw so many people who had all the trappings of success on the outside, but didn't have the deep level of connection on the inside. And either their work was killing their home or their home was killing their work. And so I really just began to come up with this framework for how to not bankrupt your relationships while building success, and then how to turn your relationship capital at work into greater success. So two silos, personal and professional relationships, all woven together in understanding who you are and how you engage in communication and conflict. So what, that's how. So, that, that, <laughs> well, now I know why I like you because my mom's an LCSW. So um, there you go. So like, I like, I always like therapists. Um, <laughs> I forgot, I forgot that you're, that you're a trained therapist, um, but I love therapists. I actually do somatic experience therapy. That's, that's the therapy that I, that I've been doing work with, um, which is pretty, it's pretty interesting just to learn the the body like the the connection between the body and the mind and how that affects this like psychology you know um i had right. no idea i had no idea that the way body your body stores trauma and all that stuff because all that stuff to your point like i i i would be blown away to find someone that had an amazing business life and had a terrible home life right or vice versa, terrible home life and an amazing business life. Like, like the, the, the two can't not, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible to, to have it. It happens saying, a lot. Wait, make sure. Usually people have an amazing business life or they're making money and they're doing well. It depends on what amazing business life yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sorry. I, holistically, yeah. like I'm not talking just on paper. I'm talking right. like holistically they're like, because uh, I agree with you that like, and I've been, I've been an example of that where it's like, oh, like I'm crushing it at work. But like, dude, I'm never home, right? Right. And so, right. so, but I was not my, I, but I was not the best version of myself as a leader in that situation. I may right. have been like completely giving all my, and I, I was overcoming it through brute force, right? Which is basically what you're doing, right? Right. I, I'm, That's I'm, what happens. You get, if you have 80, like just because you're doing well, doesn't mean you're doing it the best way possible, right? Right. So just, so that, and then what, the way I talk about it is you, like success should be sustainable. You right. can, and success is not a one-time event. You can have a success or you can have a win, but is your su success sustainable at work and at home? And to me, they're very intertwined on some of the basic soft skills, some of the core values. I know you talk about some of the things that we just don't learn until we are in the position where we're like, oh, wait, I do suck at listening. Or I am, you know, hustling and grinding it out at work and, and the very people I'm working for are suffering. Or, you know, now my home life has taken a hit and my business is suffering because, 
I'm either going to lose my business or, you know, I'm, I'm bringing all that, you know, to work with me. So this whole idea of holistic and sustainable success to me is very important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and, and maybe I didn't explain it well. And I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head, which is, it's not that you look, you can, I can affect short-term, short-term, I can probably affect midterm um, success in my business from a profitability perspective, a revenue perspective by working hundred hours a week and giving 100% of my attention to my business. But to right. your point, like that's, there's no long game there. And, and, no long game. and, and it comes, you are paying from a deficit somewhere else, right? That Correct. you're going to have to go and rebuild or pay back. Right. There's like, like I'm watching game of Thrones and, and do you ever watch that show? Right. I have not started yet. It's on my list. Oh, oh so there's a family in there called the Lannisters, which my I know family, the story now. So the Lannisters, they're like, like there's a saying on the show, like a Lannister always pays his debts. And I'm like, yeah, like you will always pay that debt, right? I, I yes. will be a Lannister and pay that debt back to my wife and kids, um, either the form of them being resentful or I come back from, you know, being gone for six weeks of business trips and my son's taller, you know, because right. he's four and they grow a lot when they're four, you know, and like if you're a dad and you come back and your kid's taller, like that's a wake up call. It's weird. Know? Right. It's right. weird. It's one of those things right. where you're not like, happy like you should never be able to tell that your kid's taller between a business trip like Correct. you should be able to tell casually that they're taller because you're around yeah. them all the time and they look a little bigger right, right. So, right. So, so my so, question always is how do you structure your business so it, with business strategy and great leadership so that you're not always picking between one and the other there's yeah, a lot you can do for both based on your people yeah well i think it comes with like like there's only so many hours right in the day and so you mm -hmm. got to prioritize the way you use them and then leverage them. At least this is where I landed, which was, okay, well, look, like I have 220 work days a year and that's my choice. You know, that's with me taking holidays and me not working weekends and me. And then I'm choosing to work, call it 10 hours a day. And some people may be like 10 hours a day. That's a lot of work there. So I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, 10, I could do 10. That's 14 hours to do other stuff. You know, uh, 10, I, like I'm an 18 hour a day guy, like 10 hours, like no, no problem. I'll do that. That was a cutback for you, wasn't it? Uh, major. That was me like taking it, e like honestly, I, like taking it easy, you know, show up to work at eight and come home, you know, at six, you know, like that's, you know, that's, that's not bad. I like that. I, I can, I can, I can do that as long as I'm on Friday, maybe I'm not working 10, maybe on Friday I'm working eight. So maybe that's 48 hours. Right. Um, and so I thought that was pretty manageable for me as a CEO. I'm like, hey, 48 hours, like I, I could do that. But, but for me, it was it was how are you spending the rest of your time? And I will tell you, like to your point, I did. I I I was like all in on, you know, all in on when I'm home, right? Because I felt like Good. I have I haven't been around. And I will tell you, what was interesting. It was during COVID. Was I found that like, and I didn't even have a business. I sold my business, like. July last year and I left as CEO November of 19. But I was working my ass off, like locking myself in my little office here, like I was telling you earlier doing 13 live streams a day launching my book, but no business, I had no business. Like there was no actual like like thing bringing in money like at that point. There was no like obligation, no clients, no like anything. No I didn't have any employees, you know. But I was working like 12 hours a day. And what I figured out there, which I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, was I was like, oh, I'm, a dis I'm addicted to distraction. And, and I need business as a distraction that gives me lots of dopamine hits. And I like, or maybe I'm addicted to dopamine. And I was like, oh, I need those dopamine hits. Like, and I'm not getting them by like trying to teach my kid how to do math. 
So <laughs> shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way the did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklyn and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right? With COVID, I, they're at home, right? So I was like, well, right. I'm not getting dopamine shots from like babysitting my kids. But I do, but I can go and I know I can go get it doing a live stream with someone I don't know. Right. Know? And so, right. Uh, so it, it was a wake up call. I mean, I'm still, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would say I fight it, but I don't because I, I, I like to work. So 
But I also I like to have life. a good, uh, yeah, I love working, but I also love family life too. So right. I, I kind of realize that you just kind of have to prioritize and you give effort, you, you know, like life's about prioritization and, right. and, and that's, that was my workaround and I'm still fighting for it every day. You know, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that I think that what you really have to focus on is the prioritization. And one of the things I talk about a lot is the profit method with this. And it really is the first P is prioritize. So it's not wrong to work. It's not wrong to love your work. And most of us work to, to, to afford our families who we love the life we want. Or most of us love with our jobs we provide for other people to have businesses and or have livelihoods. And so there's nothing wrong with loving what you do. And this is the thing, especially with entrepreneurs, is there's always something going and brewing back in our mind. Like you mentioned, the dopamine hit. The dopamine of an idea of creation, of, of, of just being part of something bigger than ourselves. None of that's bad, but we have to put boundaries around it so that we can, we can be our best selves in one scenario and then literally change hats and come into another scenario and be our best selves here. And what happens is when there's bleed over and no boundaries at work or at home, then we run into trouble. You know, if you take it to the business realm, you probably have people that, um, well, you don't because I read your book, um, <laughs> but most businesses don't have an awareness of what their employees need and want to bring their best selves to work. And so if they have, if all they see is workaholism and then they repeat that, then they're going to pay for it by having a bad home life and bringing that to work. And so I think what we forget is, and you mentioned again, this wholehearted, this holistic level of well and health and our relationships and our priorities that allows us to be 110% wherever we are. The problem is when we don't have boundaries around what I'm being part of now. So let's say that you're thinking about, it's not the same dopamine hit teaching your son math, but if you reframe that into this is my time with my son and this is a season of life that I won't get back, right. then you can see the pleasure in it. It might not be the same dopamine hit. And we have to be aware that we chase those hits because all of life doesn't give us them in the instant. And so the long, you know, I talked, you and I talked earlier about the long game. When we're in the long game, we really are looking at what's the deeper yes, what's the bigger priority, which is relationships with our families or coworkers that love what they do so they keep coming back. So either way, we're talking about people and priorities and how they measure up. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and, and that was, you know, it's funny. I landed there. I was very good at, at like preaching it and actually making sure other people did it and not so good at myself. Right. So I was like, with my team, I was like, Hey, I don't want you guys working weekends. I don't want you working overtime. You know, right. sometimes we have to, because you know, I had a thousand people that work for me. So, right. so, you know, like that type of stuff happens in a cyclical business. You have overtime and weekends sometimes, but I was always like respectful of the fact that, Hey, that's family time. And I had an employee once that came up to me and he's like, Hey, can I have an idea? I think we should, he was one of my executives. He's like, do you think, can you pay us out on our PTO? And I was like, and now what I didn't tell you was that I had a really generous PTO in my company, like where I did, I think you can get up to like five or six weeks of PTO. Plus okay. we did 11, uh, 11 days off during the year for like holidays, which, you know, that that's fairly rich, right? Yeah. That's like nice. A, yeah. Like you could get like an employee theoretically could get eight weeks off or, or seven or eight weeks off a year working for us, which that's a lot. That's like 20% of the year. Right. Um, and you know, there's probably companies with better, but, but I thought it was pretty rich. And so he said, Hey, do you, can you pay us off? Pay, can you, we should pay people out for their PTO. And I said, well, I said, well, what's in it for me? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, no, what's in it for me? I said, I'm paying you money for something that I want you to use that you're not using. So that so now you're more tired, not relaxed, not re-energized. And I'm losing money on top of it. Correct. I said, that's a double hit for me. You know, I said, I am, I'm actually 
morally against what you're asking for. Correct. I said, go to, and then I said, go take a vacation. <laughs> you know, right. a lot, and he did. He went like for like four, he like he had you know a bunch of PTO. He took like a month off. And I said, good. I said, because you're going to come back better than you've ever been before. Now, I was a guy that didn't do that, right? I, I, right. I, I make my team do it. People right. at the top don't do don't do what don't practice what we preach. Um, I want to go back to what you said. For him to be able to do that and to be in a place where he could leave, he had to do a good job of setting up his team and being a good leader, so that they it actually makes us better at what we do. Yeah, like the, that's, that's that's saying like, what's the most productive day of the year? It's like the day before you go on vacation, right? And to your yes. point, like to your point, if you're not good at delegating or you're hoarding work, like yeah, you can't take time off. And 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 and, and it's funny, even in big companies, like you know, my company was a medium sized company. You know, it wasn't like a massive company, but it was it was big enough where you had layers, right? Uh-huh. And I saw that where I was like, I have a person with like three or four layers below them who literally hoards work. And I said, I said, why are you doing that? Like, you need to like build some responsibility on your team and delegation. So anyway, I, I appreciate where you're coming from with that. So with you, you've been doing that. You did that work on the private side with private clients and then saw that you could help the team, like the, the commercially help your clients right. decide, right. decide to go in that. I mean, on uh, it was, and this is maybe a personal question because I, I see other therapists. I mean, people p- will pay a lot more for business consulting than they will for personal coaching, right? Absolutely. What happened for me was um, I had a lot of clients. I was, was very well known for working well with men and I had a lot of clients. And so women liked me and men trust me. And so I had this ability of being able to um, translate and help them understand themselves and what was going on and be kind of a translator. And a number of them asked me, like, I want you to teach us at my work. I want you to come and do the same exercise with my leadership team. And at that point in time in the therapeutic world, because of HIPAA, because of the APA and the AMA, which you were under, American Medical Association, American Psychological Association, you could not have any dual relationships. So if you were a client of mine, I couldn't be on a podcast of yours. I couldn't I couldn't come work at your company. I couldn't help. And so for me, it was a very easy switch to be able to serve my clients well. I think when we um, look at, and this is something I teach in business strategy, when you have a client or customer asking you for something and you hear it three or four times, it's time to pause and go, can I meet that need? I have a number of people asking me to meet this need. And so uh, what I had was, you know, uh, the ability to be, I'm very good at making the complex simple. And so I would, you know, almost parachute into a moment where they would like, literally I had one guy who'd call me. He's like, I want you on retainer. I want to be able to call you and ask you, I'm going to tell you the situation. I want you to distill it down. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. So I don't have to either come into your office or go through a whole training. I want quick results fast. And that really was what began it. And then of course, you know, it's sad that people will pay more for business consulting than they will with, than they will for their personal life when they don't realize that their personal world falling apart is going to cost their business more money than they ever imagined. So that's part of the transition for me. Hey gang, Darius Mishaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So 
If you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're, you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on in your business, you're listening to our show, and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've know you got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk, and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call, 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly, though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real-world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled out my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training. And what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius. Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix... They simplify and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and for my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video, and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. I want to ask you a question about this because I do work with with CEOs and companies now, mm-hmm. and um, and I picked this this advisory practice. I basically kind of started in October, and and it's grown a lot. Uh, and and I've been trying to work with you know smaller businesses, so I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing some you know call it workshops and stuff, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what I found was, but my book is all about core values, and I've been leading with core values. And what I'm finding, which is kind of interesting for me, is when I lead with core values, when I'm talking to someone about the work I do, they don't want to sign up. Like, but when I'm lead, when I lead with growing their business, which by the way, my primary tool of choice for doing this is core values. Yes. <laughs> like, like literally that's, you know, I mean, I probably, it's probably, a, it's a tool I'm using 10% of the time all the time. Right. Um, right. They'll, they'll sign up. Right. So they'll sign up if it's about making their business a better business, which is, which, but they won't sign up if it's, hey, I need to build better core values. I wanted to hear right. your thoughts on why, and which kind of goes back to the conversation we were having a moment ago about people investing in their business, but they won't invest in themselves when right. you are your most valuable asset. It's kind of, it, 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 it's, it's for me, it's a little bit like frustrating, I guess, or mm-hmm. just because I'm, I'm a person that I call myself a core value evangelist. I know you're really into values. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, on this. So I actually was rebranded as a leadership and business strategist for that very reason. Like that's the reality of the, of the, and I think you kind of, it's almost like dance with the one that brung you. You got to play with the game, in the game with a hand you're dealt. And the reality is people value bottom lines. And so it costs us companies $359 billion of unresolved conflict a year. So when I talk about parachuting into that moment before or after the conflict, that moment before water boils, that 
that one degree between 211 and 212, they get that because I can tell them that's going to cost your business because now they're in crisis mode. And so it's like people buy aspirin over vitamins, right? So I, do I like it? No. Am I a bit of an evangelist? And do you understand that people skills, the soft skill, this ability of, of understanding the relational dynamics that are going on in your business is the most important, you know, not non-item on your balance sheet? Relationships and people skills are the most important, you know, business item that's not on your balance sheet. Yeah, it's and funny. So- but every effect of those are on your balance sheet. That's, exactly. It, it, it's like that number is that. But it just exactly. it doesn't say it because exactly. it's because it's it's not it's not quote unquote measurable in a traditional sense, right? Right. So right. it's well it's, it's interesting. Like on Clubhouse, there's no monetary, I don't think I have anything monetary in my business, my bio. And somebody said you should put that you work with clients who handle seven, eight, nine figures daily. And I'm like, yes, because you know, we drive ourselves, and it's again it's that fine line between driving ourselves with what is the measure of success. So I tell a story when I speak at business events about Robert Herjavec, one of the sharks who had like, you know, an enviable life, multi-billion dollar business was doing things and his wife ended their relationship and he was suicidal. So how do you determine success? And so for me, when I walk into businesses, I mean, the fact that it's business coaching, they can, and executive coaching. And a lot of times it's that leadership team that hasn't done the hard work to understand themselves and how much that's costing them how they're not, you know, either delegating or dealing with conflict or communicating effectively to get core values out there. And so part of it for me, and I think you and I will probably have more conversations about this, is the positioning of it. Is how do we position it? People, you know, what's the pain point? If you say I can help you make more money, I can help you feel satisfied at the beginning of the day. You just mentioned I had my employees doing work that, you know, and and boundaries around their self-care that I wasn't doing. And so we have to be able to get to people and go, you know, when you are dreading going home because you haven't invested at home, or you know, when you're avoiding those tough conversations at work that you know are bleeding money, that's where, you know, these elements come in. But you mentioned something right early on when we started, and that was that projectile into upper level leadership. And so to me, this is the gap between good leaders and great leaders. It's this relational leadership, this understanding of self and others that will catapult you to great. And I'm trying to find ways to quantify it because people will buy aspirin over vitamins. It's a problem. Yeah. You know, the, where I've landed on the quantification side is is to, uh, I, I like to use engagement data just because mm-hmm. I think, because it, it, it's funny. People just want to see a number, right? Like, it's almost like, hey, just show me the number. Right. And it's like, and, and to your point, it's like, how can you quantify, you know, the satisfaction of your team or the trust levels of your team? And the answer is you can kind of, you know, but engagement's one of those for me, I use Gallup Q12 and that's, right. you know, and I like, and I like the ENPS um, just cause I could quantify it. And I'm like, Hey, listen, this number is kind of an arbitrary number because you're really competing with yourself, but these numbers matter, right? If yeah. the average, if the if the highest score possible is a five and you're at a four, that's twenty percent below well, the best. I mean, right. you pick any other part of your business and say and make it twenty percent below the best number, and you tell me how happy you're going to be with that score. And the answer is you'll be probably losing money if they're off. Correct. Out of and the yeah. answer that I also have is you're probably losing future money that you don't know yet with your engagement issues, right? right. That you're going to have to make up for in other ways through inefficiency. So that, that, that's been my go-to, but uh, yeah, going back to what you said before, I do think that, I mean, I, I actually think a lot of the stuff we're talking about, I don't want to say it's a new technology. 
I do. Th- I think it's a new application of an old technology, which is you know, you know, if you look at like the way the world used to be when there was you know mom and pop towns with little you know like yeah. little communities, people did a lot of this stuff organically just through community building, right? Correct. But, but and so people had shared values because the world was smaller and towns you know thrived because everyone knew each other and there was relationship capital exchanges that happened. Just All the time. like without even trying, right? Correct. Like I'm going to the butcher and I, uh, you know, <laughs> right. And the butcher knew the meat cuts that set aside just because they knew it. That's what your family liked. And yeah, absolutely. Right. The so relations were these organic. Are, these, are, yeah. these are new problems. I want to hear your feedback on this. These are new problems based off of old technology not being applied properly in the new world we're in. So I, and I think that now we're trying to reapply them in a different way. What are your thoughts on, on this? I think it's really insightful, Darius, because I think what we're learning is the lack of doing it has caused a great gap. And so one of the measures I use is it costs um, one and a half times a person's salary to replace them. So you do much better to deal with the issues at hand because you've already invested in training them. Um, I think what you're saying is, you know, back in smaller, like there's a, um, it's a catch 22. We love the global economy. We love that all the technology has afforded us. And yet we don't ever want to lose the human element, right? Um, One of the reasons we love Clubhouse so much is because you hear the voice. You can't phone it in. You have a depth of, um, you see people who have depth pretty quickly versus, you know, I got four sound bites and that's what I'll answer every question with. And so I think one of the things we're finding is that we have lost a bit of, the ability to um, to build those relationships because we are now so spread out. We're so removed and, and don't even put COVID in here, but because we were spread out from the people that were distractions and we were with the people who were most important all the time. I think this idea of a new technology, um, I think it's Joshua B. Lee talks about the human algorithm. You know, right. how are you dealing with this human issue of personality, of progress, of, um, even people skills that isn't on the balance sheet. And and if we don't put it there, if we don't pause and look at it, like you mentioned, you know, any other department that was doing 20% less than what we had hoped would be under review. You know, somebody who's losing effectiveness and productivity would be under review. And back in the day, those things happen face to face and, you know, in small communities. I like where we've been growing and I enjoy it and I appreciate it, but I'm always beating the drum for relationships and people skills being foundational to whatever you're trying to grow um, in business, especially at home. I mean, people, people hear the word relationship and they think personal really quickly. And I'm like, wait, you have a relationship with your customer. You have a relationship with your colleague. You have a relationship with your business partner. You have a relationship with your, you know, your landlord. Like what are those and are they, are they healthy and intact? Because otherwise they're costing you money. They're costing you time. They're costing you stress. And ultimately, I think as we get older, we're very aware of our stress and our health. Like you mentioned, all of a sudden you were like, oh, I need to not work 16 hour days. I've got a family. I've got my own personal, you know, I had a health crisis and that changes how you look at things and it changes those priorities of where you put your time. So I think it's a place that there's a bit of a wake up call. I would agree with you. So, so where do you think we go from here? Because I, you know, I, I, when I launched the book, I started telling people, I said, I, I believe that in the next 10 years, values-based organizations are going to dominate every industry. And, and the, the reason I believe that is I believe, I mean, it's just kind of, it's my simple logic, which is, okay, and and, and a lot of the work that I know you do around con- leadership development and conflict resolution, those are really value, those are values plays, right? The, 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 that's how are values exchanging between coworkers and elevating the organization through leadership development, right? 
That's at sure. least that's the way I look at it. And I know there's other things at play as well. But but I, I look at everything. Everything I'm I'm. What's it like if you like everything's a nail if you're a carpenter, right? If it, it, yes. like like right. If you're a hit for everything's a nail. Yes. Yeah, everything's a nail for me. The nail for me is core values, and everything's a nail. And so, right. um, you know, the reason I believe that is because of Miller's law, right? Or excuse me, Moore's law, which is, and we're seeing this. Like today, I I went looked up because I have I'm using Active Campaign for my email marketing, right? And I looked up what's the best CRM that interfaces with Active Campaign. You know what the answer was? A ton of them. I don't know, like. There were so many, I, I was like, it was overload. I was like, I don't even know where to start, right? right. Um, and so the answer is, is that technology, it's, technology's gotten so cheap that there's a, that the access to good technology is, is omnipresent, right? Okay. So that has a natural deflationary uh, re like relationship to everything we do. It causes right. the cost of, every, of everything to get cheaper, which makes both technology and price more commoditized. So if, if, if price and technology innovation are more or less becoming commoditized, what's the differentiator between one company and the next? If they have access to the same technology and things kind of cost the same, the way I look at it is it's the people. Like that's the only difference. It's a talent Correct. game, right? Yeah. It's a total talent game now. Whoever gets the smartest, best, most like, like hardest working people to show up and create the most amount of value together collaborate like collaboration mm -hmm. wins right like that's so i'm like oh my gosh i mean we're already kind of here but we're not totally here yet uh, and because well, we're not naming it here yeah. i think we're here in practice but i don't think we're here in principle yet where people are naming it as a major governing principle i think the reality is the people so not even just the hard working i would say because you can be a hard worker and have no emotional intelligence. Right. And so it is the people who know how to how to read, understand, engage with, support uh, people that make a big difference. It's interesting. Um, Tony Shea was very employee um, obsessed, making sure they were happy. Air, Amazon's very customer obsessed, making sure they're happy. And when you think about some of the Amazon, like the complaints about working there, which then, of course, negated some of the customer satisfaction. I think Tony Shea was really onto something with, if you have happy employees, you're going to have happy customers because the people serving the customers are loving what they're doing. And so it's interesting for me, like the information, we, we are not in need of more information. No. That is one thing, you know, what I read and have learned is that we are in need of, and people today are in need of more integration. How do, what do we do with the information we have? How do we handle the onslaught of everything that's getting replicated and, and in our minds, you know, in any given day. And that requires, you know, integration, emotional intelligence. And what I keep coming back to is people skills. How are you navigating your own and your companies, your families, the people in your, you know, in your concentric circles? Do you have the skills to navigate those well, both in the fun and in the hard? Because if you can do the hard, then the fun will come and people will trust you. People will trust you. And I think what you're saying is, we are getting there in practice. We just haven't named it. Like it would be interesting if we flipped, you know, uh, success on its head and said, don't tell me how much you've made. Tell me the longevity of your employees. Yeah. Don't tell me your revenue. Tell me, you know, how many of your uh, employees come back and talk about how amazing their PTO was. You know, tell me the people part and I'll tell you how your revenue is going to, and again, long deal, long, long tail, because anybody can be a shot, you know, a shooting star. But what's your long game? 
where are you three, five, 10 years out? And I would argue, like you mentioned that your nail is core values. For me, if everything's a hammer, everything's a, if I'm a hammer, everything's a nail. It's all about relationships. What are you doing with the people in your life, in your world, at work and at home to create sustainable success? So um, let's let's dive into that. So you wrote a book. Do you mind talking about the book a little bit? No, I wrote a book. It's called Listen, Learn, Love. I actually have one right here. A little book. If you go to susiemiller.com forward slash book, I wrote this book because, uh, as you mentioned earlier, time is limited. And this is what I start with everybody on. Like all my clients, all my training starts with this as a foundation. So I was like, let's put it into a book. And that way, you know, I can, if people read it, we can start a little ahead of the game. And it sounds so simple. Listen, learn, love. Um, The, uh, you know, and does that apply to business? Yes. There's a whole chapter on how you love your clients and customers well. Um, but, you know, most people think they listen well, like most people think they drive well, you know, I, I, and they not everybody's a good driver. Let's be honest. You know, so are you one of the, my comments and it is listening uh, with the intent to understand, you know, are you listening, thinking about what you're going to say in response? Or are you really pausing, paying attention, prioritizing the conversation and then answering? Most of us, if you ask, don't feel listened to. We don't feel heard. We don't feel known. You know, the hook in the book is learn. What do you mean learn? And and you, again, the core value is whether you learn your company or you learn the people in your company. What do you really know about them? You know, think about passing in the office. You say, hey, how was your weekend? Great. How was yours? Great. Okay, good. And you keep walking. But have you ever paused and gone, well, why? Why was your weekend good? Well, you know, we took our kids snowboarding and well, how'd you get into snowboarding and what's your kids like? And you ask these questions that deepen relationship and suddenly you're learning the people that you're working with. You know, we do it with customers, with surveys. And then love is really about saying the deeper yes. How do we sacrifice the immediate for the long term? You know, have you ever had a customer? This happened to me the other day. I had a colleague. I spoke at a business event. It was virtual in Chile and I was doing a consult with one of the businessmen on conflict and communication in business. And he told me his problem. And I said, you know, um, before you hire me, you need to hire this other person because this is a better fit for you in this gap. And he kind of looked at me and goes, well, you could have sold me on you instead of them. And I was like, that's not the best for you. The best yeah. for you is to do this interim and then talk to me again in three to six months. Well, do you think you can't buy the kind of loyalty and advertising that a happy customer that feels like you cared more about them than your bottom line? So this applies to both business and personal relationships and just how we create those connections that keep us going when things get hard. Those connections that have somebody, you know, stay in a business and work the extra hour in a season or two, an hour or two in the seasons where, you know, projects are more demanding, you know, and I think we forget that loyalty, authenticity, integrity, those level of connections are what catapult things forward. Yeah, I love that so much. And I couldn't agree more. I think, I think uh, like what, what you're just landing on is, I mean, you're preaching in the choir right now. I'm like, yep, like, uh huh, all that. Yes, all. I, I, and, and I mean, we just I, need to find a way to to quantify it and and sell it so that it's as sexy as a branding or, hey, I'll up your social media 20%. And, you know, it's it to me, it is a drum I'll be about sustainable success. And I, I would invite the audience to pause and think, how sustainable is your success? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like, also, you were, you know, earlier you were talking about, how we'll go the extra mile. We're talking about Tony Shea, who, you know, obviously did some really cool and interesting work at mm-hmm. Zappos around this. And um, Mercedes had a thing where they, they called it customer one, right? Yeah. So, which I learned, I learned that about six years ago. And I, and I, and I've said it ever since I said, I said my external customer, their experience is a reflection of my internal customer's experience. Right. Yeah. 
And my internal customer's experience is really a reflection of, of my behavior as a leader and what am I doing to elevate the organization. So when, when I, uh, I, so I, I've been trained in conscious leadership. I did a, a program called Stegen. And um, my mentor is Rand Stegen, who's the founder of, of the Institute. And you know he has a thing where he says, he has two quotes I love. One is, with the leadership goes the organization. You know, So mm-hmm. I, when I work with people or, or even with my own teams when I was CEO is, I was always like, look, you guys own it. And with your behavior, you they, people will mirror your behavior. If you're workaholic and you know, you're responding to every me- email in 13 seconds, you are setting a culture of expectation around that that they will mirror. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 by the way, who the hell needs an email response in 13 seconds? I don't want you guys responding that in that time because that's means you're sitting there waiting for your inbox to get filled up to respond as opposed to going really pro- doing really productive stuff. And, and it would be okay if 99% of those emails were valuable. But the answer is 0.99% of them might be valuable. And the other 99.8 whatever percent is a waste of your time. So it, it, I like that. That was one of my favorite quotes. The second one that I love of his is, you know, with awareness comes choice. And, and, and I think is, is, I mean, that speaks volumes to conscious leadership. What are your, what are your thoughts about those ideas? Okay. The first one I'm going to say, I'm going to respond to with a, as as the leadership goes, the rest of the company or the organization. Yes. And if I love the email example, because what that means is you're living in reaction mode. Emails, my emails are are not open all the time. They should, I don't think they should be for anybody in a leadership position. You set times to check your emails when it works for you and your com- and your prioritization of your tasks and your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's like, because, just because your phone rings doesn't mean you need to answer it. Oh. You know, we've we, we become such a reactive, a reactive culture and, and it makes us feel important because it's busy versus productive. So there I would agree with you. And I think that, again, that's the deeper work, the dopamine. Oh, somebody needs me. Let me do this. Let me do this versus the quiet work of productivity. So that's the answer to the first part. The second question with awareness, I have a um, growth framework that I teach and I believe all growth and growth is one of my core values. All growth starts with awareness. When we become aware, and you said then becomes choice, we, which is what I say, we then get to choose what we do with our awareness. We can grow in our understanding. We can change and modify our behavior. We can engage differently. We can evaluate. We can re-engage. But awareness is not unlike the Peter Parker Superman principle. With awareness becomes great responsibility. You know, with power becomes great responsibility. When we become aware, we now have this bucket of stuff we got to do something with. And a lot of people don't want that responsibility. So it's easier to ignore. And then the house is on fire and you're like, oh, I didn't know the ashes would do that. You know, and so I think awareness is very, very powerful. But again, if we go back to good leadership versus great leadership, that's a relational dynamic. It's a, you know, relational leadership is awareness of ourselves, awareness of the other. And when we don't have that, we can pretend that we didn't know. Yeah. And then we can't get blamed for choices. Yeah. I call, uh, the, what's that? That's like being asleep at the wheel, you know? Yep. I don't, I, you know, you know, for me, I, and maybe, maybe you and I are, I don't know if gifted or cursed is the right word, but both. Uh, yeah, it's probably both, right? Like when you have this, like, like with that, having that self-awareness, having that understanding of what the holistic reactions are, I, I, there was a guest I had on the show that, taught me something about myself that the 20% of, of the entire population, human population is high sensing, right? Has high neural, has a neurology or so nervous system. Yep. Yeah. High, highly sensing nervous system. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh, that's me and my whole family, you know? And I realized that's one of the reasons why I sense, you know, I could see when other, I can see when people don't like something I can, you know, I, I, I there's, and maybe that's not emotional intelligence as well. And I was like, 
it was something I've used to get to build loyalty and trust and to get people to follow me and to build influence. And on the other side of that, it's like, I feel their pain and I can sense when they're like, when they're hurt and, yeah. and I can sense that when I've disappointed or when I've embarrassed someone and you know, there's all these things that those are the two sides to it. So I sense, yeah. I, I see that responsibility that you're talking about. Uh, I've, I've, I've lived it as a leader personally. And, and, and I, and I don't know if I have an answer for it. I just think that to your point, I guess it's almost like, um, like when I was 17 years old, I got really strong. I, I was an athlete, a division one athlete. And I was like, I grew like, I, I, I was like a man child. I grew put on like 50 pounds of muscle in like one year. And wow. my mom was like, you didn't know your own strength, right? Like I would like, like push my sister and knock her across the room, you know? And I wasn't really, I wasn't really, I wasn't trying to hurt her, but right. you know, I was sitting like almost like literally, like literally almost putting her in the hospital on accident. Right. Uh, and, and so I think there's, there's a, a side of this too, which is if you put this energy into becoming a elevated leader, catapulting, as we talked about, or propelling that there's a heavy responsibility that you have to kind of get your bearings around. What recommendation right. do you have for leaders that really want to elevate in that way? And what, how, what are ways that you're helping them? It's a great question. Um, so I think this idea of elevated leaders, I think, you know, the I. You don't have to be in that 20% of HSP or highly sensitive to become more aware. And, and so everybody who wants to be, I mean, I think we all lead something just like I think we all sell something. Uh, we sell our, our spouses on where to have dinner, our kids on doing their homework, our employees on showing up on time. Like, you know, we're always in this process of that, of growing and selling. And so what I want to say is if you want to be an elevated leader, begin asking questions about yourself. I think the best place that everybody starts is, do I understand myself, my story, my core story, my core wiring? Because when you begin to understand yourself and the main people you're interfacing with in your first circle of, let's say, your C-suite team or your executive team or your entrepreneurial, your very first team, you begin to understand and become more aware of how you engage and what your gaps are. Then you know what to um, to grow in, what to fine tune, and what to uh, delegate. Okay, I think once you identify gaps, and, and leaders who do this well become great leaders because they know I either need to grow a skill or hire it out, and that's a huge piece of good leadership. I need to grow in my skill of, of, I was coaching somebody the other day of confronting this conversation of bringing the people in the room and having the conversation that they're having at the water cooler, they're having on zoom in the chat, in the private chat, you know, the, the tension. And so as a great leader, I'm aware this is happening. You know, there's a conflict in my team. I'm aware that my propensity is to avoid it. So awareness again, that's not the kind of leader I want to be. What am I going to do? In that awareness moment, I'm going to bring the two people into the same room. We're going to have a discussion. And here's a little tip for you. Whenever you do that, the first question you ask is, Darius, tell me what's going on and tell me your part in it. Because when you move it from tell me what's going on and what the problem is, because the problem is the other person. Right. When I tell you, ask you, tell me your part in it, it disrupts that defensive mechanism and it says, oh, well, my part in this is I want my agenda. I think I'm right. And he won't come along. That's really different, right? We own our part. Right. So that awareness allows you, here's my awareness of my own gift, strength, propensities, where I need to grow or where I need to hire out. And, and it's not wrong to say, you know what? I'm an avoider. I'm going to hire this out because this is where I come in, parachute in and help people. Or I'm an attacker. I have one very high level entrepreneur. He does leadership and he is like bull in a tiny shop. Let's get in there. Let's deal with it, which is sometimes lousy. We've worked on timing. We've worked on tone, those kind of things. And so awareness comes in understanding yourself 
and understanding the other people. And, and let's go back to that email conversation. Creativity and real growth in business takes time away from the distractions of the dopamine hits, right? Growing in awareness of yourself takes time outside of those busy, um, seemingly productive, but they're just busy things that are the dopamine hits. And so you have to step away and go, what is the greater good? What is the long game I'm looking for? And I would say that you and I are on the same page with this, is that the long game of leadership, the long game of making a difference is having that that time apart in a workday, in a, in, a, in a routine of your work week to really look at yourself, your team, your story and go, what am I missing? What am I learning? What do I need to be more aware of? So that's a short answer or a long answer to a question. Uh, you're such a rock star, Susie. Uh, we're, we're just out of time, but man, I, <laughs> I, I love all the different places we got to dive into. And I feel like this is like the beginning of another conversation we need to have. So um, we, we should do this again soon. Seriously. We will. I would love to. I would love to. Um, so put down in the notes, uh, www.suzymiller.com forward slash book. So that's in all the comments on all the different sites we're posting this on. Any, anywhere else people could find you? me on clubhouse instagram those are the places i am at Susie miller five is my instagram it's a great place to connect with me um if you do the book there's a way to get on my list if you i mean i have a free con yeah hit me up on instagram connect with me there there's a whole link tree with all free resources ways to get on my email i send out pretty good tips or really good tips pretty frequently and um, i just love the ability and the privilege of walking with people to the next level you know, there's a deep um, hunger inside of all of us, I think, um, that deep, that little small voice that whispers that we were made for more. And we know we need help getting there. And, you know, it's not that I have all the answers. I'm older than, you know, I'm in the last half of my life. I've got, I've earned all my silvers. I'm in my fifties. Um, I, I really like helping people figure out how to get that voice to say, we did it. You're, you're there, you're on the way. And we are made for more. And we know that, like you mentioned, the greatness machine, the greatness within us comes, I believe, when we understand ourselves, other people better and have the people skills to, to grow those relationships that take us to the next level. So thanks for having me. I look forward to connecting with your listeners um, on susiemiller.com or over at Instagram at susiemiller5. And people always ask me, so I'll answer the question. The five is because there's five people in my family. When I started my business, Susie Miller is a very common name. And I was like, what, what am I going to put? You know, they give you all these weird numbers. And five is my, uh, our core family of five ki- of five people. So that's where that comes from. Darius, I love talking with you. I love talking with people who want more for their people. And you are uh. one of those people. Well, I love talking to you too, Susie. And you guys, you got to uh, you follow her on social. Her social is awesome too. I love your social media and your Instagram. And um, and go check out susiemiller.com forward slash book so you guys can learn more about Susie's book. And with that, you guys, uh, we're at the end of our show. Thank you guys so much. Had so much fun. Peace out. You are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, 
I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.